Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hey, hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Hashtag Call to Scene. My guest today is um, someone I'm really happy um, who agreed to be on the show, and it is Emily. Hi, Emily. Can you please um, introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, Kim. Hi, everybody. My name's Emily, and um, I am a middle-aged white woman, and I live in the Boston area, and I work for a nonprofit that essentially does community development finance uh, lending um, to uh, projects that are intended to benefit um, mostly communities of color and low-income individuals. So I have kind of a community development background and interest professionally. Um, I'm a mom of three young kids who are school age. I'm married. Um, and I am just so thrilled to be on this podcast with you, Kim. Um, I feel like uh, a lot of what you are saying has kind of, well, not kind of, has absolutely driven exactly into the place where I need pressure and movement. Um, I almost feel like it's an acupuncture type thing where <laughs> there's a, or, you know, there's a certain itch that needs to be scratched. And you're certainly, um, the work that you are doing has certainly connected with me in a way that uh, I didn't expect. So I'm really happy to be here. Well, thank you. Um, so as I always start the show, Emily, tell us two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene? So um, I was taught not to cause a scene as a child and that message has been reinforced over and over and over again to the point that um, I am the kind of penultimate uh, people pleaser, somebody who generally is quiet, um, who sticks with the program. I may kind of... Uh, push the envelope a bit here on, you know, in, in different ways, either in a community organizing or at work, but I generally kind of go with the flow. Um, and what I've been learning is um, essentially that if I'm going to do anything about white supremacy, which I now realize is um, something that I, no matter what, um, and I'm, I am contributing to it, that I need to essentially flip the whole um, well, white supremacy really thrives on conformity. And so I am, you know, I have been conforming my entire life and I feel like in order to do anything about it, I have to essentially um, flip, uh, flip it on its head. So there are unspoken rules, there are norms, there are, um, you know, there are all sorts of things that happen if you don't stick with the norms and the rules. And so I really feel like if I'm going to have any sort of integrity with my actions and values that I have to step out of my comfort zone and um, do more than just kind of push the envelope here and there, I have to actually, um, I have to actually cause a scene. And that has been my biggest fear is what will happen if I cause a scene? <laughs> um, 
And so I think to, you know, I, I feel like it's really critical for people like me who are white and are kind of in the, in the core of whiteness to really come to that realization that nothing really will change unless we change ourselves and our kind of perspective about our role um, in, um, in disrupting the status quo. So that's kind of why I think it's important. Um, happy to go to the second question. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, how am I causing a scene? So I'm dipping my toe into different um, in different parts of my life, causing a scene. I, I've been, I feel like I'm still in the kindergarten phase. Um, I, you know, I'm really trying to. I'm really struggling with how much risk I'm willing to take. Um, how much risk I need to be taking in order for me to kind of feel like in, you know, I'm, I'm in alignment in terms of like my the values, what I hold you know, deeply as core values and my actual, like the way I am in the world. Um, so there's a couple ways that I've started to cause a scene. Um, I've done it both in my workplace. I've done it in community organizing and I've done it on social media. Um, and the places where I have kind of disrupted, I've been um, either, you know, I've been, I've been successful and I've been not successful. So I've had kind of some bad experiences or unpleasant experiences. Um, I wouldn't call them bad. They're more unpleasant, like really uncomfortable experiences. Um, and it's actually those experiences that have driven me to um, push forward even farther. So I think that's just important to state because I thought that the more uncomfortable I got, the more I would withdraw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have withdrawn to some extent, but there's always something that kicks me back into the fray. And so I don't, I have no idea to what extent I will continue to cause a scene. I kind of, um, I'm, Say still, it. Go ahead. I'm kind of still worried that I might actually like really risk something. Um, at the same time, I want to risk as much as I need to, to make a difference. Um, so I'm in that kind of interesting kind of world of having two feet, you know, one foot on one side and one foot on the other. Um, I'm happy to give you an example. Um, um, yeah, I want you to hold that in your head because you've said some things already that I want to address. Um, and so I want to give a little background here. Um, everyone. So Emily, first of all, how did you find me? How did we, how did you come on my path? <laughs> I think um, Cyril Rowe. Okay. I think that's how, um, and this is very recent, very recent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Very recent. That um, um, in, the, in the last month, it's only been like a month. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I say this because um, when I asked Emily if she will be a guest, her first answer was, nope, have nothing to say. I just have nothing to say. And although it's only been a month, um, if you have not gathered anything from me, it is that I'm, I'm quite intuitive and I'm very, and I have no desire to placate whiteness. So um, um, what I saw, what I've seen, let's say that, in the time that you've, and I've said this to you, so it's not, nothing new, um, in the time, in the short time that you've been following, is your willingness to challenge those 
white supremacist, those ideas of people who are making wildly inc- incorrect, <laughs> inaccurate statements or just willing to engage. That's a huge one. Just the willing to, en- the, the ability and willingness to engage because being a person of color, being a black woman doing this, it's, so you, I'm just, cause I'm really thinking about the fact that you haven't even been around when I've created videos about what I need my community to do, how I need them to support me and all these other things. So for not, for you not even having that background and for you to come in and I see you, um, and it was, and, and I could, and it's so funny because I can, I can remember you showing up <laughs> and I remember it was liking and then you adding something and then you just became more and more vocal um, and to the point now, if there's someone there, there are a handful of about 10 people who, if there's something being said, and I know if you guys are awakened on Twitter, you're going to address it. And that go and speaks to the fact, because I tell um, people, um, so I almost have 5,000 followers. By the time this airs, I may have, you know, 5,000 or a little bit more. I'm not looking to gather followers or allies. I'm looking for people who are willing to work. Um, collecting allies does, does me absolutely no good. It's, this is not a vanity project because I could be doing, putting my energy totally somewhere else. And so when you said initially, no, I have nothing and I have nothing to say. I haven't been doing this long enough. And I pushed you a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I did it in a way that you really didn't know I was doing it. And then I pushed you in a little bit to challenge because I knew it wasn't because of a lack of what you were doing. I knew it was because of what you just said. You not willing to risk. You not knowing, first of all, what what to risk and what what risk are those risks coming at, <laughs> you know? And, um, and I just left it alone. And, and not an hour later, you <laughs> came back and said, well, hey, I've been thinking about this and that and I was like, yeah, I knew you would because um, I, I intentionally pushed those buttons because I've seen, now I don't do this with everyone. First of all, I'm not, I don't ask everybody because everybody um, is not really, I know certain people aren't, just can't. Ha- articulate what they're saying, but you showed me that you that's something that you were able to do. And it's another thing about when I ask a white man to do this, they have never said, I have nothing to add, or I don't know what I'm saying. And it's women, and I need white women particularly to, to talk about this message because you are a major roadblock to progress on these issues. And so I can empathize with your fear of risk, yet I do not sympathize because every day there are people dying and people are risking their lives for this. And so it becomes, of, and, it's, and, and I really want to make this clear, I'm not belittling or, or um, you know, minimizing someone's experience. What I'm saying is as a white person, whatever you're risking, if it's not, physical harm, which I would never um, am a, a proponent of and would never say to do that. Anything you lose, you can always get back. 
And I want you to speak to that for me. Because I can see your face. So I just want yeah. you to speak to that. Yeah. Um, I really feel that when I, like, when I really feel the, the fear, I feel um, the risk of relationships, the risk of... Um, the risk of my kind of persona in my community. Um, I feel the risk of, you know, there's, there's all sorts of kind of socially constructed risks that come with privilege. So all the things that I kind of haven't really earned or that I feel like I've collected, I feel like those are all at risk. Um, but the more I've listened to you um, and really kind of, internalize, I feel like I've internalized some of your messages to the point that I um, keep coming back to the fact that my risks are very minor and minimal compared to the risks that um, people of color and black women in particular, and, and, and I mean, every, all the work that you're doing around transgender rights, um, you're really helping me understand that my risk is, it's almost like um, you could look at it as like a negative, like, gee, if I take this risk, I'm going to lose something. Um, but I feel like taking the risk is an opportunity to engage and do something um, that's really required of me. And I, this may be just kind of middle age, um, you know, I think middle age kind of presents us with an opportunity, as do other times in our lives. But right now, particularly in my specific life, I'm um, kind of turning over and looking at every single stone in my kind of life um, and what do I want my kind of the rest of my life to be? What am I actually here to do? And um, time and time again over my, my, you know, 44. So over my whatever, 30 so years, I've um, I'm a very sensitive person and um, at different times of my life, I've taken some risks. I've never taken real um, risks where I've stood up for somebody to such an extent that um, I feel like um, I've done what I needed to do and I want to change that. I can't stand by anymore. And so I'm struggling to find the right risks to take when it's, when it's appropriate, how to kind of play the role that I'm supposed to play. And, and I want to stop and I want to thank you for, because I know um, I can just see it in your face that this has been a challenge for you. And this is the whole thing. It's like, it's a challenge for all of us. Um, and again, um, I would never say someone hasn't been challenged or they haven't had a hard time. And that's what the argument go, comes when we talk about privilege, when we underrepresented, well, marginalized individuals talk to privilege individuals privilege. Um, it becomes, well, I've hurt, worked hard and it becomes, it's like, it's not about when I, we talk about, we're not talking about an individual. And this is why racism is not about, about an individual. It's about a system that allows white people to benefit while it oppresses large groups of other people. Um, and, and I, and I, I was taking notes when you were giving your introduction and you mentioned some things that are really interesting to me. It's a, um, you mentioned complying and that, you know, how you were raised and, 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 and then trying to align that with your personal core values. 
and trying to figure out where those risks can be balanced and ebb and flowed. And that is, those are real risks. Those are, because it's not, although it's not a physical risk, it's a risk to your psyche. Um, it's a risk. It's, it's, it's a total, if, if you as a white person embraces that by extension of you benefiting from a, a, a racist system that whether you, that you're racist, that, I mean, that is just the definition of it. That hurts you because, and that's what becomes a, a, a stumbling block to these issues. Because again, we're not talking about individual behavior. You're talking, you are benefiting from a racist system, which, which equals you're being racist. Now, are you acting on or perpetuating that narrative of racism that is about being actively racist as a, as a, as a, as, as opposed to just being a, a party of the system. There's, there are different things and that's what people don't understand. Um, I can I am black, but, um, there are parts of, um, the, uh, being black in the U S that I can actively participate in or I don't, but I don't get a choice because I, Unlike you, you can choose whether to take these risks. I don't get a choice. I walk out the house. I wake up every morning, and this is the 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 the, the lot I was drawn, the straw I was drawn, and I've been able to make um, the best of it to the best, the best of my abilities. But I'm going to tell you, just honestly, with the level of what's the best way I put this. With my level of expertise and 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 just me, period, and what I know, if I were white, I would be so much further than where I am right now. And that those are the things that um, that whiteness doesn't get. It's it's like it's not saying that you haven't worked or you haven't struggled or you haven't been poor, but my hustle and your hustle are not the same. Right. And the fact that you can actually point to a few people who've broken out of it is a problem saying, Oh, well, Oprah did it. Oh, well, Beyonce did it. Oh, well, blah, blah, blah. The fact that you can count people on your hand and it's not so ubiquitous that you don't, then that's that right there is a problem. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, cause I, I really want to, what is the, what is the fear? Is there, is it, is it because, th- and I'm asking because one thing I'm really coming to understand is and it's heartbreaking to see or I guess it's it's an understanding that I've been kind of wrestling with well, not kind of definitely wrestling with but kind of like oh god please don't let this be so <laughs> please just don't let this be so is that I'm coming to an understanding that there are people who would rather uphold a system of privilege racism and oppression than make money than um do and it's not even about me if it, then do anything that would, if, 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 if challenging that system meant that they could have a pot of gold at the end of the, of the, they would still would not, they hold on those beliefs so much that the thing that they would want more, they don't even want. And it's like, how do you even, how at that point do you even try to reason or ration, have a conversation with someone like that? I um, have been struggling with, the question of um, what you're saying is making me think about the some of the struggles in my psyche about this for myself and for others that are in my family 
extended family and workplace, which is um, if the space that I take up is harmful and exclusionary to others, if essentially by centering myself and continuing to center myself, what other, you know, what does that mean about me? So there's kind of this good, bad binary and having read that the white fragility book by Robin DiAngelo really helped me kind of understand this issue of, um, you know, identity. Um, it, by shaking, by telling people that they're racist, and shining a light on it, it essentially shakes their very foundation of their identity. And so people then, um, you know, I felt like I've been in a position where I've either been able, you know, I have the choice to either deny it um, or have the choice to accept it. And um, I feel like I've been all over the place. I've been in denial. I've been, you know, I've felt anger. I've felt sadness. I've felt withdrawn. I've, um, but then I've come to a place of acceptance, um, which I think is where, you know, you can actually change. Um, I feel like, you know, I'm probably not getting to your question, but this issue of people holding on to it so tightly, um, you know, I have a particular family member that's no longer with us who is very close to me, who um, was the quintessential holding on of whiteness and privilege and supremacy to the point that everything else didn't matter. Um, and it's almost like the visual for me is it's as if whiteness is hanging on a cliff, literally like feeling like it's going to fall off. Um, so that you know this whole, whole idea of, of uh, what are they what's the term they're using now white um despair so this idea this, this sensation which is totally subjective right that people are about to fall off the cliff from a psychological perspective economically and they literally are going to claw their way to stay on top no matter who is trampled or hurt in the meantime um and that is a really hard kind of psychological phenomenon to really understand. But I've, I come from mostly Puritan background and I've been reading a lot about the history of Puritans and, you know, the, the Protestant work ethic. And I've been tracing all of my <laughs> privilege for me that I can actually trace um, my family back to the 1600s. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they left a lot of, signs to me that their worldview was screwed up um and it's so screwed up that to me it's 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 like a i feel like it's a cult where you know everything is kind of there are stories there are myths there are narratives <clears throat> there's religion that holds it up there are laws that hold it up there's an entire system in place and if it were to start crumbling people the people who hold whiteness as a privilege, I think, have no sense of what their identity would be. It's like a complete crumbling of the psyche. I think that's the fear. It's like, mm, like, yes, thank like you. crumbling into the complete unknown when actually the opportunity is to look at, you know, to integrate the shadow. So everything, like right now, I think white people just essentially want to take only the, only the kind of mythical fantastical parts of their history, you know, like, oh, my so-and-so grandfather was in, you know, Revolutionary War, and they did this and did that, and, like, you know, my history is so fascinating and wonderful. I've been focusing on what did they do that was horrible, because I want to know it all, and I think yeah. integrating the really horrible history 
And, you know, people are complex. So integrating it all together gives you the fuller picture. And for me, it's literally like, I don't know how to exist in this world unless I know and can feel the full weight of that history behind me. Everyone in the hashtag called the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag cause a scene dot com. Like, I don't know how to exist in this world unless I know and can feel the full weight of that history behind me. Um, I'm getting off track, but... Um, no, you're not. Oh, my God. No, you're not. You're saying okay. no. <laughs> no. Stop. Stop apologizing. This is not off track because what it actually is, it's articulating some things that I've been witnessing. And I've been having a conversation about because it speaks to one thing that whiteness is actually self-imploding. It yeah. is now you guys are eating on your own. It's like a some, some yeah, you're eating your own bodies. Yes. Um, and you don't even see it. Um, it's so toxic that you're destroying yourselves to maintain this situation. Um, another thing is when you're talking about looking at your history, I, it, you know, you follow me. I am a history person. I know. And it's like everybody, everybody's so surprised about these things. I'm like, all we're doing is repeating history. And the white people are so ignorant to their own history because we've all been fed the white bread world of history that you have not had the luxury. And it's a luxury for you to, to even investigate other narratives to the story or perspectives to the story. And the fact that so many of you were shocked by Trump's election says so much because you were totally oblivious to yeah. the fact that over the past, ooh, ah, this really started going downhill in the 60s. It was bad before then, but it was, ex it was explicit at that point. It became really implicit in the 60s and that's when everybody started going undercover and you did not realize that your uncle at Thanksgiving dinner had these beliefs and that there are church leaders who have these beliefs or who are espousing these beliefs and and that you've essentially let and I don't talk about politics here but this is just my view on Trump you've essentially let a person who is best known for a reality show to become president because the idea of anything else was just unacceptable. And that right there, what I think for a lot of white people that I've talked about is the thing that they don't want to be honest about. And this is why I keep pushing this. And this is why, oh, the suffrage movement, blah, blah. The fuck the suffrage movement. They did not include people of color. They excluded them intentionally because they did not want black people to have the fucking vote. Let's be honest. Um, and white women were the heads of these things. White women are the reason Trump is in office. And I don't care what you believe about Hillary Clinton, but it was the fact that she did not comply. She, all of these things that you've mentioned earlier, she, um, said no, and she did not fall in line. And so white women found that their, their role, because it's always white women's role 
for some reason, well, I'm not even going to say that's not how the system has been created. Yes. Is, is, is to, you are, you, white women have become the, what's the word, what I'm trying to look at for an analogy of this. White women have become the, the enforcer mm. of these arbitrary, blind, hidden rules. So white men, the system has told white women how precious they are, mm-hmm. that their wounds are the seats of humanity and all that's good about the world, and it needs to be protected, and you're so soft and delicate and all these other things. And that's where white women's tears come from and all these other things. And so when you are challenged or you see a challenge to the system, and these are just my, these are just my theories. And, but this is, but when you see a challenge to the system, what you do, do, the system doesn't have to act because it has you, white women, to do the work for them. The system has to do nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. And this goes back to why fuck civility. And civility is a, is a, is a option for white people, but yet it's been used and ingrained in people of color, particularly, I can't speak for other, um, other cultures, but black people have had it ingrained in us about how to take turns, how to do this. That's not nice. All these things that the system established for us to manage our own behavior. So whiteness doesn't have to spend the energy resources doing that. You put a system in place that says to us, Kim, this is how you be act, act in public. This is how you act at a table. This is how you do this, that, and that. And when you step outside of it, there's someone in your community is going to say, that's not how you act. That's not how you sit like a lady. That's not how all these little fucking things yes. that I was told as a child have been put into place to, to manage that behaviors of marginalized individuals so that the system can focus on other things. Mm. And so while I'm managing my behavior, but if I happen to, as a black woman, step outside of that, the next level of defense are white women. Mm. And that is what I've been experiencing. It's the knee-jerk reaction of white women who, because I say white liberals yeah. are the biggest barrier, but it's, and, and that's on a macro, but on the micro, it is the white woman who is the biggest barrier to this and is continually to challenge particularly women of color who's speaking on my, I mean, you challenged me on even my fucking experiences. I, I experienced it. How are you going to tell me that didn't happen? And that now I need to show you data that that's my experience. When no one ever says whiteness, prove your point. It's just, you know, a matter of fact, but we're forever. And it's always white women. And it, and then, and again, white women don't see that you are a victim of it because while you're fighting us, White men aren't, you know, they're sitting safely in the back. Mm-hmm. This is why I say that until feminism decides to take us all with, move forward, we're never going to get there together. And that's why black women and marginalized women can give a shit about feminism because it never included us in the first place. And until feminists who can, re- can embrace that, you know what? We got this shit wrong and we need to ensure that all of us and particularly marginalized people um, are brought into this and and it's not about equality it is about making sure that their experiences are put at the forefront of these issues to make we need to make sure that they feel safe 
because only when they feel safe will we all feel safe is the issue. This is a mind blow for me because I am am searching like Rolodex in my head of all of the white women I know. And this, I mean, what I experience mostly at the moment is silence, um, silence, disdain, uh, ridicule uh, for, for the things that I say, even just me as a white person in white spaces about what I think is important. Um, and it, it, it reminds me of, um, I mean, I'm going to go back to religion, um, forgive me, but it just, I think of like the stockades, you know, you were ridiculed, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking of colonial times, like, you know, if you didn't conform, if you didn't do what was expected of you, if you didn't hold or toe the line, you were essentially put in stockades and ridiculed in front of everybody. And I think there's a certain role that women play in, um, as you're saying, uh, and I, I I can't put my finger specifically on how it operates. Well, I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the the because even in as you're speaking of stockades to you, that seems like the like the worst. But that <laughs> that shows your privilege because had I did those things, I wouldn't have gotten stockades. I either would have been beaten or killed. And that is that is like the essential. And again, yes. it's not to to say that your experience. Is yeah. not what it is. It's no, I'm not. A, they, they, to me, are not a comparison. I would be in. I would mind being in stockades all day if the alternative was death. You know, um, and that is is that. And, and even when you look at like public hangings, if you so you're a history person and you're public hangings, who was out there? Women brought their families out there and had they brought, families, they brought their kids. Yeah, you know, uh, women have been the ones who throw the first stone who who um i was listening to um the seen white um um series on um seen on radio and i think it was and i think i'm was in episode 7 and it was the it was the montana indian um story and, yes. and yeah i don't know if that was 6 or 7 and it talks about how um, first of all, it, it gives a justification of why these the Dakota Indians did um, go to uh, go to war in 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 quote unquote war. But when the people, when the Dakotas who weren't involved were rounded up, and it talks about how a white woman grabbed a baby out of a woman's arms and threw it to the ground, killing it instantly. Yes, that, I remember that part. That's what white women are to the U.S. And that, and I know, I'm just going to pause for a second because I know what I just said is going to, is inflammatory to a lot of people. Um, and I recognize that. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to put a period on that because I don't want to negate your feelings. Yet I'm also going to say, yeah, you need to take ownership for where we are and you're, and the fact that you're, in the way is the problem. White women have been the tool of, oh, that's it. You've been the tool of white supremacy. Yep. If, yeah. If, 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 if it were not for you, this house of white supremacy would not have been built and will not, would not be maintained. So when there's a screw that comes out, you go back and hammer it back in. When there's a plumbing leak, you go back and fix it. 
when there's this, you you are maintaining the house of privilege and white supremacy. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that was deep shit. That, that was pretty good. Damn. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> wow. I wasn't expecting that one. Okay. That was, that was, whoo, okay. I need to take a breath from that. I'm going to let you talk because that was, shit, that was profound. That was, yeah, no, that, um, I, you've sent me into a whole other, uh, I'm going to have to stick <laughs> with that one for a long time. That is, um, I mean, if I think of any, any of the, of the women in my family who, who, did not, you know, whatever. They didn't speak up. They didn't, they sat by silently and, or like you said, they were in the forefront of attacks. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, the only thing I can think of is, um, you know, as you're talking about maintaining it, um, there's, it's almost in a, in a very kind of sadistic way, the nurturing, you know, I mean, we are, once you've created something um, and you're benefiting from it, you mm-hmm. nurture it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in a very sick way, <laughs> um, I feel like white women um, play that role and effortlessly. I mean, effortlessly. Per- yeah, absolutely. To perfection. Yeah. Protection, nurturing. I mean, that's the role, right? Of, of women in, you know, in, in, I mean, I don't, People sometimes use the phrase white supremacy culture. I feel like putting culture on the end of it kind of ruins the word culture. But if it is a culture or a system, right, of, of um, system, it's, it's, got to be, it's got to be maintained um, in order for people to, you know. Yeah, no, that's, that's a real, real mind blow oh, for me. I just, I just looked up culture. Um, so a noun, the art and other manifestations of human intellectual achievement regarded collectively. Okay. And then the second one is um, <laughs> tissue cells, et cetera, in an artificial medium containing nutrients. And then the verb form is maintained in conditions suitable for growth. Well, women are the kind of the locality of culture, right? They mm-hmm. are... In, in any culture, they are in the family. They are the ones and that's that, why black women are always called upon when this this country needs saving because mm-hmm. we are the moral compass of the United States. We we would be in such a shit show if it were not for black women, even though, and it, <clears throat> this is hard to say, even though this country uses us at every turn, it's, it's, it's a cat's a t- tiger bite tail. If we don't do this work, who will? And we will be the first to be negatively affected by it, by whatever choices that happen. So it's like you're forever holding this cat, this tiger by the tail, praying it won't bite you. But we have to hold on because to let it go would cause chaos for not only us, but whiteness would, would truly see the benefits of not having the black woman as the 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 yeah the moral compass of this country um i mean we saw that in alabama with the election and everybody was saying how great oh proud i was like that's bullshit don't tell me about this nothing is going to change for these black women they're going to go back to their lives you're still going to be treating them like shit but once again your system raised 
a racist, a white supremacist to a level or yeah. anybody to a level that you did not expect again, because you've been clueless. You've not had to um, have your eyes on these things. You've been allowed the luxury of being ignorant because your ignorance allows you not to challenge the system that you're maintaining because it becomes hard to be informed about something. And then now you have to, you're making a conscious choice. It's ne- now it's yeah. not, I didn't know it is. I knew and I chose not to do anything. That's right. And that's a yeah. whole different narrative. And that right there is a, is a, a lot of what's being pushed back on and why people are just totally um, just do not want to hear history. Do not. I mean, it is, everything is fake, fake, fake. No, you cannot. People can change facts, but you cannot change the truth. Things right. were what they, and it happens. Every ruling party comes into a new thing and they change the history to reflect their opinions. And I mean, and I don't talk about religion here, but that's the Bible. The church created, decided which parts of the book, I mean, which books they were going to put in the Bible and which it wouldn't. And, and it's been, and I tread lightly here, but I fuck it. I don't want to tread lightly here. Um, and it's gonna, this is going to offend some people and it, it's going to be okay. And if it's not, fuck it. I don't care. You are basing decisions that affect my life based on a book that was created by white men to oppress other people. When you look at the history of the Catholic church, it was in Latin. The masses were in Latin so that people who came to hear it would not know what the hell was going on. They were it was designed for their ignorance. It, and again, it was a, it's a system that is put in place for you to manage your own behavior. Because if I can give you this book and say these things, and I can give you a book that has, that, that has nothing very specific in it, but when there's an issue that I say is something against it, I can point to something in it and make it sound like that's the thing that it's against. Because there are really no specifics in this thing. Because even if you look at the commandments, they're not specific about what to do, um, except you don't like to not kill. But, you know, people, the people who wrote those books, they did. You know, is there a lot of, yeah, there, there's a lot there. And, and, I, and, and particularly when we talk about Christianity, because I live in the South and people using the Bible to, mm-hmm. you know, to discriminate against homosexuality. It's like, dude, how could you even be the descendants of slaves and discriminate against anybody? Um, but that, but that Bible has been put in place from a history of slavery that allowed you um, your behavior to be ma- to be managed because you weren't supposed to read and write. It was illegal for black people to know how to read and write. Mm-hmm. So a white person could tell you anything they wanted to tell you that was in that damn book. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for you to it, it's easier for them to give you that book when you have hell on earth to say, well, you all of this is because you're going to get something after. If that's all you have to live for, because you know what you're dealing with is not changing, the necess- the need to have a hereafter a- a- afterlife is yeah. what saves the slave owner from being slaughtered. So, man, I've said a lot. Oh man, <laughs> wow, this is <laughs> this is an eye opening for me. Oh, uh, and 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 and. And that's why I thank you for having these conversations because it, I don't know your perspective. I don't know the white woman's perspective. It's not something, it's not my lived experience. So I can't authentically, authentically speak to it. But what I can do is 
when I hear your your fears and your risk and all these other things, and I I don't want to say it compare, but align them to what white liberalism and white people are saying they want, they don't match. There is a serious disconnect between what you say your content is and what your actions are. The actions are, that's right. I've been feeling like there are very few to, well, I just don't know them perhaps, but there are very few um, white women models for, I even just look at, you know, in the civil rights movement, there are white women who participated. Um, but I guess I don't even look back to that era, I'm looking for kind of a new way forward and I don't see anybody, I don't see any white women paving the path yet. And I think that's what makes it so disorienting at the moment for me specifically is um, when there's not kind of a model of behavior against which you can kind of, okay, so if I'm, if I'm kind of now clear about who I am and what my role is and everything, um, if I'm, you know, constantly centering myself and constantly, you know, doing these things to perpetuate white supremacy, if I don't want to do that, then I must do something else. And that something else um, at the moment has kind of like that third way that, you know, there's the, there's the denying way, there's the activism way, there's, there's all sorts of ways to be in the world. But there's like a particular way that I haven't yet found that kind of helps me really understand what my path is as a white woman. Um, I'm sure it's out there and I just haven't found it yet. <laughs> we just have to keep. Well, I just want to tell you, I want to tell you this. Um, and this goes back to the seeing white series. Yeah. What we're creating was never intended to exist. Mm -hmm. No one ever. So when you say that there's no model, there's no model for me. Mm -hmm. um, and this is why I wanted you to be on this show because we're making this up as we go. And it's only when we make this, when we are together and safely moving forward together, yeah. will, we, will, will we set, we're the ones who get, so you're looking for a role model, a trailblazer. We're yeah. the trailblazers. <laughs> and, we, and, we, and we have to embrace that. And I've just embraced that. I am making this shit, just like having this conversation, there have been so many epiphanies in this. I have never said what I've said today ever before in my life. I love that. But it gives me a, another depth to this conversation to have. Yeah. We're, you are, we're trailblazers. Stop looking. And this is why I'm happy you're on there. I'm glad you said this. And this is where we're going to kind of wrap this up. We, yeah. You as white women have to stop looking mm. for role models and become the people that you intend, that you say that you are. Because black women have been doing it for centuries. We haven't had role models. What we have had, we've had strong women ahead of us, but each generation, we have new challenges. And we don't get to sit on the sidelines and decide what, if we're going to, we make this shit up as we go because that's what we have to do because that's what we have to do to survive. We're not even talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and thriving, self-actualization. Right now, we're in survival mode. And white women and whiteness, people who, who say, and again, I'm going to say say, because if you're not demonstrating, I don't have, I have absolutely nothing. You have nothing of value to me. 
And so we have to, white people, period, privileged individuals in the United States need to stop looking for other people to support their message, of the other people to go ahead of them. This is the hard work that you need to be doing. Yes. And so what you need to be doing is, 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 is talking to your white friends. In groups, if there are white, black women around or women of color, you need to get, amplify their, and get the hell out of the way. You don't need to speak for them. You need to make the safe space for them to speak for themselves. And that's your work. Stop maintaining this house and start pulling out these, these, stop pulling out these nails. Stop pulling out the nails. Exactly. Yes. Thank you, Emily. Any final words? You want to, any final words? Um, Sankofa. (laughs) (laughs) It's not taboo to look backwards. We have to look backwards. You know, that, that concept of you can't move forward unless you really go back, retrieve, look at all of the shit that's happened. Um, and that's the only way that will be a new way forward. I feel like that's where I'm at. And I'm so thankful that I can be there with you and other people and doing the work. And, um, you know, I, I've, I feel like I've responded to the call to action. And I appreciate you making that call in the way that you make it with such passion, vigorousness, energy, commitment. It is infectious. I can't stop following you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for being transparent and and allowing and trusting me with your your story. So have a wonderful day. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Call the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at Hashtag Call the to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.